0: Hello. Hello. Hello, and welcome to Grace Online. We're really excited for you to be able to receive an encouraging word from scripture today. Because we know that God is already here, and he is ready to be with you. And let's get ready to hear today's message. Grace, it is so good to be back with you this Sunday. You know, a bright spot of the fact that a lot of things were happening online this past year, and a half of, uh, gosh, was that we had the opportunity to connect with some of you during the Grace Coffee Hour on Zoom. Uh, that was truly a gift for me, for Katie, and our girls. And of course, nothing is sweeter than having the privilege of spending a Sunday with you, and i uh, so thankful that we get to be together today. Uh, this morning, we are gonna be continuing these sermon series in the Psalms. From rejoicing and gratitude uh, to lament and cursing, the Psalms give us an incredible display of kind of the massive range of human thought and emotion. Now, similarly to the corporate singing uh, kind of during, during a church worship service, many of these songs that we have in, in the Psalms here were meant to be sung by the entire congregation of, of Israel. Now, toward the end of the book, we have what are, what are known as the Songs of Ascents, a collection of 15 songs from, from Psalm 120 to 134, uh, which certainly every, every single Israelite would have known these from memory. It's not certain exactly when these songs were sung. Some scholars believe it could have been uh, on a journey to Jerusalem for the various festival celebrations. Uh, Some believe that these songs were sung during when you kind of scaled, the ascended the 15 steps of the Temple of Jerusalem, you know, 15 steps, 15 psalms. Um, Whatever the case may be, these songs were an integral part of the community of Israel. And community is going to be our theme for the day. 're uh, we're gonna be, we're gonna be re- reading uh, a psalm first and then unpack what a healthy community looks like. And I'll share some some experiences of community uh, from my and Katie's life and ministry in Ukraine. Now, when you hear that word community, what do you think of? Now, d- to define community, I usually break it down into common unity. That community is a group of people that have something in common that unifies them. We could talk about, CrossFit communities, online gaming communities, book club, book club communities, neighborhood communities. I mean, in every example of community, there's at least one thing that unifies everyone. And that one thing could be something as simple as geographic proximity. It could be shared enjoyment of an activity. It could be a set of shared values or beliefs. I mean, the possibilities are, are limitless. Now, of course, for a community of believers, the one thing that unites us is the person that we believe in, Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. And that is the beautiful thing about the church. It brings together people from all different types of walks of life. And of course, a very beautiful thing can be the source of a lot of challenges because anytime you get a group of humans together, while you may have some things in common, there are just going to naturally be a lot of differences. Differing values, differing preferences. I mean, to go a little deeper in our context, maybe a different interpretation of the text or a different living out of the text. Is it actually even possible for a group of people with so many differences to experience true community together? Now, I believe absolutely yes. But as we'll see in our psalm this morning, it's not easy. It takes hard work. There's pain, but there can be rich goodness. This morning, we are gonna be reading out of Psalm 131 of these songs of ascents. Now, as we read, remember the communal aspect of these psalms, that not only were these words, words that, that the Israelites would know, but these words had a profound impact on the entire community of the people of Israel. So let's read Psalm 130 together. I'm reading out of the ESV version this this morning. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, a few weeks ago, Pastor Chris discussed uh, a psalm of lament. And in this psalm, this psalm this morning, Psalm 130, kind of opens in a similar way, right? I mean, out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. I don't know about you, but when I picture these words being spoken, I, I picture somebody down in a deep well, just a dried up well, crying out for help. Now, there's this real sense of distress in, in the voice of the author here. We don't know who exactly wrote the psalm. Some scholars think that perhaps it was David, either when he was being persecuted and pursued by Saul, or perhaps when he was in a state of lament after having an affair with Bathsheba. Other scholars suggest it could have been Ezra who wrote the psalm when Israel was in captivity. Whoever it was, in this opening verse, we, we feel this great sense of pain and distress. Now you might be thinking, Lee, that's a pretty weird place to start a sermon on community. Well, I think that's true, but I also think that, you know, this this first verse actually paints, paints a pretty honest but painful picture of what many of us have experienced in life when we lack deep community. Deep community with God, deep community with, with others. This absence of community is something that can be extremely painful. And it can be a very lonely place. Now I'm certain that some of us have experienced that, have felt that at some point over the course of you know, COVID restrictions, COVID lockdown. Uh, some of my memories from from our first kind of few few days and weeks in lock, lockdown in Lviv, Ukraine. I, I remember we would take Jesse every day on a walk just, just around our apartment building. You know, have a mask on. Jessie's just having a good time. She doesn't understand what's going on, but we're just we're just taking walks outside just in a, in a big circle. I remember you know, we'd, we'd go on Zooms with, with some of our teammates and we'd play board games together just to get some human interaction with our friends because we, we missed them, we wanted to be with them. And I, I remember we would, we, you know, all ministry moved online, right? I mean, in our, our weekly fusion gathering, this, this, music and, this music and arts gathering that we use as a tool uh, to build relationships, we moved that online. And of course, having a choir practice online not, not very effective, right? And it just, it was just, it didn't feel the same, right? I mean, we lost touch with people, and, and some people left this gathering, and they didn't come back. And I mean, that was, that was frustrating, it was painful. Many of us experienced that, we experienced it, and, and certainly the author of this psalm is experiencing it. And maybe some of us are still in this kind of pain and longing. And that's where this psalm starts. That's where this story starts. And thankfully, it's not where it finishes and it's not how it has to finish for us either. Let's let's read again. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, who, O Lord, could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Now see, even in, even sitting in this pain, The author proclaims this hopeful truth about God, that there is forgiveness and an opportunity to be saved from this place of distress. Now, when COVID started, Katie was about five months pregnant with with our second daughter, Jamie. And as many of you know, our first daughter, Jessie, was born even before we hit the one year mark of our time in Ukraine. And so at that point, we really didn't have a good grasp on the Ukrainian language at all. We certainly couldn't navigate the medical system on our own. And so our, our close friends, who, who they have four kids, they highly recommended an English-speaking doctor in, in Krakow, Poland, just across a few hours across the border from us. Now, Katie gave birth to Jesse with this doctor. It was a great experience. And so the plan for us was to go back so that she could give birth to Jamie there in Krakow. But once COVID hit, again, she was about five months pregnant, the borders shut down, the border shut. They wouldn't let anyone in that was living in Ukraine. And so we, we emailed the border guard and telling them, hey, we have this appointment for Katie to give birth in Krakow in Poland. But they told us, they said, we can't give you any kind of pre-approval. They just kind of send us a list of all the laws, right? And said, we said, can't, we can't do anything. Maybe get a note from your doctor explaining the situation and they told us, you can just drive to the border and you can just hand this note uh, to whoever the commander is will make a decision and you can plead your case with them. They'll decide whether or not to let you in. Now, thankfully in this situation, we had incredible hope in the unfailing love and, and the faithfulness of God. Now he provided for us in the past and we believed he could and would provide for us and redeem this situation. So when we arrived at the border, we had this email from our doctor, it was all in Polish. Our Ukrainian was decent at this time, but we don't speak any Polish. So essentially we couldn't communicate with, with, we couldn't communicate. We get to the border, we get through the Ukrainian side, no problem. Then we drive up to the Polish side and typically, typically on the Polish side, the border guards actually have pretty decent English. Well, this time the guard we got spoke literally zero English and he's just saying no. Go back. You can't come in. You can't come in. And so we just we just hand him this note, right? We hand him this letter from our doctor, and we say, please just just read this, man. So he reads it, and he says, wait. He goes and takes the letter into into his office. So we're just sitting there in our van. We're looking out at this barrier, you know, and we can see Poland right behind this barrier. And we're just praying, God, please get us across this border. Please get us to Poland. Now, by his love and grace, the commander comes out, and it's just—it's this just amazing woman. She was so kind. She didn't speak any English at all either, but she's smiling at us, and she's smiling at Jesse, and she, she gave us the thumbs up to go into their country, said we could, we could absolutely go in so that Katie could give birth to Jamie in Poland. We are so thankful for, for God's providence, God's you know, unfailing love that, that, that this text talks about. But in the days leading up to our departure for Poland, I mean, as we put our hope in God, there was a lot of waiting. I mean, just a ton of waiting. There was a lot of uncertainty and unknown. And we see that in this Psalm as well, in verse five, right? I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. And in his word, I have hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. Now, I, I just absolutely love the imagery here. Imagine you're a watchman. You're standing on top of the city wall at right, assigned to keep watch to protect the city from any kind of surprise attack. But it's nighttime, it's pitch black. You, you can hardly see anything. You can't doze off or be distracted because the safety of the entire city is in your hands. I mean, this is, this is a serious and intense responsibility. How much easier would it be, though, in the daytime, right? I mean, I can can see everything. I can see everything for miles. Nobody's going to be sneaking up on me. There's going to be no surprise attacks happening. Out of this stress of deep responsibility, the watchman just waits. He longs for the morning. Man, if only it were morning so I could see what's going on. If the dawn would come, then it it would just be much easier, right? The author says here in soul is longing in this exact same way for God. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, in his word I have hope. Now he feels like he's in this darkness and he just cannot wait for the dawn. Now remember the communal aspect of these Psalms, right? I mean, the communal aspect of the people of Israel. Remember, there's times when if just one person sinned against God, the entire congregation but suffer for it, right? I mean, this is a communal people. This is a communal, uh, a, a, a communal community. This is a community of people that feels the effects of just the one. Now, Katie and I are part of a local church in Lviv, Ukraine, called Spring of Life. And in May 2018, we started a relational ministry there called Fusion. Again, uh, this is a Josiah Venture ministry and it uses a weekly music and arts youth group to build relationships with teenagers. And at first, uh, the youth pastor of our church was in charge of this brand new program, and really, you know, kind of having a cool, a cool gathering, having a cool program was the the primary focus of the ministry at first. Now, the weekly the weekly program was super cool, but you know, this youth pastor, our youth pastor, his attention was spread so thin with with this ministry and then a lot of other ministries and a lot of other things that he's responsible for that he just couldn't give the teenagers, and even the leaders in the ministry, the kind of relational investment that's needed in order to produce a high amount of spiritual fruit. And so in the, the summer of 2019, you know, he wisely he recognized this, that he didn't have the capacity for it, and he wisely handed the leadership of the ministry to a guy named Vlad. Now, Vlad was very new to leadership. It's the first thing he'd ever led. And so he asked me to mentor him In this process and so for about the last you know the last two years I've been discipling him and we've been going through some various leadership principles together and you know I just I have to commend Vlad he has such an open teachable posture that he really he really wants to grow and he's he willingly admits what he doesn't know and he's honest about anything he's not sure of and and Vlad Really bought into following Jesus's great commission of, of making disciples that make disciples, and relationally he has just been an incredible leader by example. I mean, here he is with a, a guy he disciples, Max, and whom he led to Christ in a one-on-one meeting. Now he's led since then. He's led three other guys one-on-one to Jesus as well. Now there are so many. Now there are so many young believers. Uh, that are on our leadership team, our Fusion leadership team, that, that started following Jesus through Fusion. These are all of them. The program isn't the focus anymore. And in fact, it's gotten a little bit more simple. But because relationships have been the primary focus, there's been a ton of spiritual fruit. Now, we've learned that when having a great program or a great event, a successful event, becomes the highest value and the primary focus, I mean, we might, we might really have an entertaining and fun time, but real and authentic relationships are not being built. When relationships, on the other hand, when relationships become the highest value and the primary focus, we're building the kind of community that God intended and envisioned in the first place. The Psalm writes that this, is, this, this starts with hope in the Lord. Verse seven, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquity. It all starts with love. If the foundation of community is love, there will be redemption. It can be saved from anything. And redemption comes because of the Lord's unfailing love. And that's something that we can certainly put our hope in. When we live in community with others, sometimes it's it's easy to love. Sometimes it's not so easy, right? I mean, this psalm doesn't say that we have hope because of human love. It says we have hope because, because with the Lord, we have this unfailing love. When we truly receive that unfailing love, which for us is manifest in the person of Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection, when we can receive that love, it changes us. And when we receive that love, only then can we, can we pour out and love the people around us in, in the same kind of unfailing and unconditional way. I remember back on March 11th, 2020, Katie and I were at a, a fusion youth group meeting along with, with Jesse. And we had just recently in Ukraine just heard about the first COVID case being discovered in a city in the middle of the country. It took, COVID took a bit longer to make its way towards us because Ukraine at the time wasn't a very popular tourist destination, not as popular as Italy, for example. Um, Obviously we could never expect what, what would happen next, right? I mean, that everything, literally everything would change. But amidst the uncertainty of the situation, we had something to put our hope in. We knew God is God, and in him is this unfailing love that the psalmist talks about, this unfailing faithfulness, and that he had a plan. Now, in our local church context, God was, used COVID. During the time of COVID, he laid this foundation for fruitfulness. But to be honest with you, for the first several weeks, Katie and I were actually pretty frustrated with the way that our local church kind of had been stumbling through stuff online. I mean, our English club was clunky, usually only one or two kids came. Our fusion moved online, like we said, and of course it's not super possible to have a a choir practice online to do music workshops online, right? I mean, as you know, we, we, we kept, if we, we were just frustrated. And if we kept living, if we had kept living in this frustration, we would have totally missed out on what God was doing had he not shifted our focus from our frustrations to his faithful and unfailing love. And in fact, you know, things briefly opened up at the end of summer last year. And our church was able to do a summer camp for about 40 teenagers, many of which were non-believers. And this was the most fruitful camp that we've ever done. 14 teenagers repented and believed in Jesus last summer at camp. It's the most fruitful year we've ever had. And Max, who you see on the screen here, who was led and discipled by Vlad, he was the 15th teenager to repent and believe. The first one to do it after camp. And in the months following camp, an additional five teenagers repented and believed in Jesus and are being discipled in in the faith by young leaders in our local church. And now our fusion leadership team, again, is full of youth that started following Jesus because of fusion. And just this last month, we had, a, we had another fusion camp and another six teenagers repented and believed in Jesus. I mean, this is the love, the unfailing love that we have hope in. When our fusion started back in May, 2018, uh, we had a summer camp just a couple months later. And it was an incredible time it was a really fun time. Uh, two teenagers repented and believed in Jesus and, and those two teenagers are now on, still to this day on our leadership team. But the rest of the campers that you see in this photo, they didn't, unfortunately, they didn't get connected with, to, to the young church leaders because again, at that time, initially the, the primary focus of the leaders was to have a cool program. It wasn't on building relationships with, with, with teenagers. And it's sad to say, but but many of these young people aren't connected to our church anymore because relationships were never really built with them. But now to contrast with that, three years later, our fusion is just an incredible little community that is made up of a bunch of different young people. And we have young young adults that are leading, teenagers that that recently followed Jesus or followed Jesus through fusion that are now being equipped to disciple and to be leaders. And we have brand new believers that are learning what it means to follow Jesus. And we still have several non-believing teenagers that attend every single week. And they came to camp this summer because of the loving, the loving community that they experience on a regular basis. I'll be honest with you guys, when Fusion first started, and even through the first, first kind of year or so, there were a lot of frustrations that Katie and I had. You know, so much of our focus was on the challenges and was on the various things that we didn't like about the program or, or some things the leaders were doing. And you know, we were just missing this preparation work that God was doing and kind of this foundation that he was building. We were not focused, we ourselves were not focused on building relationships or equipping young leaders to build discipleship relationships, like, like Jesus says in his great commission. And we were actually harming the potential for healthy community, instead of working to build it. Now by God, in his great grace and loving mercy, he shifted our focus back to him, and he reminded us about his great commission to make disciples while keeping our eyes on Jesus. And because he shifted our focus, we got to be a part of his movement in our local church, and his movement in building this healthy fusion community. Instead of worrying about whether they seem cool or not, now our young leaders are discipling teenagers, both believers and non-believers. Instead of attending Fusion just to be a part of a great program, teenagers are coming to experience this love and fellowship of Jesus in healthy community. When God shifts our focus off of ourselves And our frustrations, and on to him and his movement, and what he is doing in his local church, what Jesus is doing to build his church, which he literally said the gates of hell could not stand against it. When we, when God shifts our focus, we get to be a part of this great movement. And Cain and I are so thankful that we get to be a part of this movement in Ukraine, and we're thankful that we get to be a small part of this movement here at Grace Lutheran Church. You know, we get to be a part of this beautiful, uh, we get to be a part of building this beautiful community that has a ton of things that are not in common, right? I mean, the Christian church has a ton of things that are not in common. Grace Lutheran Church has a ton, the people that attend, right? We have a ton of things that are not in common. But the one thing that we certainly do have in common is Christ and his steadfast love for us, his death and resurrection. And that, that is enough. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I I just ask you, continue the work you're doing in Grace Lutheran Church. May it be a Grace Lutheran Church as it is in heaven. God, we are so grateful for these psalms. We're so grateful for the many different ways we, we see the psalmist just crying out to you, praying to you, rejoicing and blessing you, blessing your name, Lord. We just ask that that you would build your church, God, on this earth, here in Huntington Beach, at Grace, Lord, you said, Jesus, that the, the gates of hell could not stand against it. So I just ask in your name that you would just move in power at Grace Lutheran Church. That you, you would bless the leadership, you would bless Pastor Chris, Pastor Drew, Pastor Marv, you would bless the elders, you would bless the entire community, that you would pour out your favor and that you would just give us, that you would just renew us, Lord. We wait for you. Our soul waits for you, for your movement, more than washman for the morning. More than washman for the morning. We hope in you. Because we know with you there is steadfast, unfailing love, that there is redemption. So please, if there's any brokenness in our hearts, redeem it. If there's any brokenness, like there was brokenness in the people of Israel, if there's brokenness in grace, redeem it, Lord, redeem us, Father. And may we just fix our eyes on you and what you are doing in your movement so that we can be a part, so we can be a part of it. We're so grateful that you choose, that you choose to partner with us. You choose to use humans to do your good work. So please use us today. Do your good work in us, through us, and for us. Wash us white as so that so we can better reflect you and your glory, God. We need you. We love you. Our soul waits for you. We ask this. We pray this in your name, Jesus, by your blood. If you would like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org.